It's Friday, June 22nd, and this is The Daily Dive. Confusion over the president's executive order and immigration policy continues to take center stage. We're watching how the Department of Homeland Security and Health and Human Services decide to implement the order and whether a district judge will change her ruling on the Flores settlement, all while the House is still expected to vote on a compromise immigration bill. Steph Kite, reporter for Axios, joins us to break it all down. Something to think about as you head into the weekend. Would you pay for a subscription service for the movie theater? AMC Theaters has launched a subscription service to compete with MoviePass. Ben Fritz, reporter for The Wall Street Journal, joins us to talk about the pros and cons of this new service and the fight for the future of movies. Finally, the latest environmental trend is getting the plastic straw out of restaurants and bars. The only problem is that paper straws, the most popular replacement, are in such high demand that there is a shortage and long wait times to get them. My producer Miranda joins me to talk about the rise of the paper straw. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. If we took zero tolerance away, you would be overrun as a You'd have millions of people pouring through our border. If you took zero tolerance away, everybody would come right now. They'd be getting their little belongings, unfortunately, and they would be heading up. You would be you would have a run on this country, the likes of which nobody's ever seen. Joining us now is Steph Kite, reporter for Axios. There's been a lot of uh, chaos and confusion since the president signed his executive order on Wednesday to try to eliminate the possibility that parents and children are separated at the border when they're crossing illegally. What has happened? There was a little confusion between Homeland Security and Health and Human Services and the Justice Department. What's going on? Well, to be honest, there are still a lot of questions that have yet to be answered. At this point, we know that the Justice Department is still instituting a zero tolerance policy. So they're still prosecuting everyone who's crossing the border illegally. And we also know that the Department of Homeland Security is trying to keep families detained together throughout the criminal proceedings and immigration proceedings. But there are still a lot of questions, especially as to whether and how they will reunite the parents and kids who have already been separated. They're going to keep them together, but then they run into this problem of the Flores settlement, which the Justice Department has asked a federal district judge to modify her decision in that case. Is there any indication that she is willing to change her decision? I've talked to a few immigration lawyers, and they say it's up in the air. She could try to change it just to allow, in these circumstances, parents to be detained along with their kids for a longer period of time. But there's also the chance that she just maintains her ruling from just a few years ago and says, no, kids cannot be in detention centers for more than 20 days, which would leave the administration with a choice. They would either have to release these families until their immigration court dates, or they would have to try to get through their entire immigration proceedings within 20 days, which is not likely, or they'd have to go back to separating kids and parents, just like they have been doing. The president has instructed Homeland Security to keep them together throughout those proceedings. But once they hit those 20 days, uh, legally, they still have to separate them. Or is there any other thing that they can do in the meantime? They could release the families. And this is something that was done at times in previous administrations where they would release them sometimes with an ankle bracelet or some other means of ensuring that they would show up to their immigration court dates. 
So that could be an option, but it's something that we're not sure this administration is too keen on. Obviously, the president has been against catch and release practices. Um, but other than that, there really aren't many other options. And that's why we're really waiting to hear from these agencies to hear what is their plan? How are they implementing this executive order? The other question is what facilities are going to be used to house all of, all of these, uh, these families? The president has asked the Department of Defense to help build facilities and offer any facilities that they have. We're hearing reports that some military bases are being used to house unaccompanied minors, some of the children who have been caught crossing the border illegally, and presumably some who have been separated from their parents. We don't have a lot of details on that front either. The First Lady went to uh, a facility yesterday just to lend a little support to the children that have been housed there. She went to a place called uh, Upbring New Hope Children's Center. They had about 55 kids there for ages 12 to 17. How did her trip go? Well, her trip was definitely sidelined when she wore a jacket with the words, I really don't care, do you, on the back. That stole her thunder. There was loads of criticism on Twitter that it was inappropriate and was sending a message. And of course, her comms team, the president himself on Twitter and the White House in general has pushed back on that saying it's just a jacket. There is no hidden message. But that became the running story despite her efforts to try to show that the administration has compassion for these kids. I tend to agree that it was just a poor fashion choice and maybe she wasn't thinking. But in cases so important like this, the optics really do matter. I mean, that's why the pictures of the kids crying, that's why the pictures from these uh, detention facilities and audio of kids crying were so important. It really tugs on the heartstrings and it it gives you a picture of what's really going on. And then to wear a jacket like that, like you said, really undercuts everything that they're trying to do. Even though I really don't believe at the heart of it, she doesn't really care about these kids or anything. Exactly. No, it's hard to tell whether it would it would be a surprise, I think, to many for this to have been an intentional effort. The next thing we're waiting for is the House vote on the GOP compromise bill. The more conservative bill was a non-starter, didn't get the votes anywhere near what it needed. So what are we looking at in this bill here? This bill does address the family separation problem. It says that DHS cannot separate parents from their kids, allows kids to stay in detention longer than 20 days. It also would provide legal protection for dreamers, as well as give money for the border wall, among a host of other immigration enforcement issues. But it's not looking super likely that it will pass. Most expect it not to pass. Anything can happen in the next few days. And I think the fact that they are holding off might mean that they think they can whip a few more votes. But the latest I heard, it doesn't look super likely to have enough votes to pass. What's holding them up? Is it the DACA stuff or is it still funding for the border wall? I believe most of the holdup comes around the wall's funding, some particulars in the bill that were not quite fleshed out and people had different agreements on whether it was going to be authorized funding versus appropriated funding. I believe that is where most of the the hesitation has come from. I think there may have been other details that are being haggled over as well. Steph Kite, reporter for Axios, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you.
the film business is becoming becoming primarily about these big franchise films. Something like about 40% of the box office this year has been generated by just the five or so biggest movies like Black Panther, Avengers, Incredibles, Quiet Place, Jumanji. These films are the main reason people go to theaters and all of the, let's say, mid-budget films for adults, original films, comedies, dramas, thrillers, those are mostly dying. Joining us now is Ben Fritz, reporter for The Wall Street Journal. He has got a new book out right now called The Big Picture, The Fight for the Future of Movies. So AMC just came out with a new subscription plan for people to go see movies. It's uh, in direct competition with MoviePass. There's uh, some pros and cons to it. Tell us what they came out with. Their plan costs twice as much as MoviePass. It's $19.95 per month instead of $9.95. And it's fewer movies. It's um, three films per week maximum, as opposed to with MoviePass, you can see one film per day. So those are the clear drawbacks. And of course, it only works at AMC theaters, right? So that's a drawback if you like to go to other movie theaters, other major chains or independents. But there are definitely some benefits. I mean, one of the biggest ones is you can reserve your tickets in advance. With MoviePass, in most cases, you have to go to the theater on the same day and you have to go there in person and use this debit card they give you. Whereas if you subscribe to this AMC program, you can buy tickets in advance and do it on the app on your phone or online. So you don't have to go there. <laughs> That's And you can yeah. have your seats reserved well in advance. For me, as a MoviePass user, sometimes I have to go to the, worry about going to the theater and if I want to reserve right. my seats and then go back later in the day, you know, that can be a pain. The other thing that AMC lets you do is you can see the same movie as many times as you want, which MoviePass won't let you. And you can see movies in IMAX or 3D, which MoviePass also doesn't allow. You are a MoviePass user. How do you enjoy yep. that service? I like it. I mean, there's some things about it that are inconvenient for sure, but they're all overcome by the fact that it's $9.95 per month, which is you know, a pretty amazing price here right. in Los Angeles. That's less than the price of one movie ticket. So as long as I see one movie per month, I'm coming out ahead and I usually see two or three or four. So I'm saving a lot of money. And even though it is annoying to have to go and use their debit card at the theater, uh, you just cannot beat that price. Now, is AMC doing this just to compete with MoviePass? Because they're still going to accept MoviePass at AMC theaters. Do they see this as a future model that could really be beneficial for them financially? Clearly, MoviePass is a big reason for it. I should note, they have had subscription services in Europe, in some European countries for a while before MoviePass. So they're not something that AMC literally just came up with. They had even been thinking about doing something like this earlier before MoviePass cut its price and became so popular last August. The fact that they're doing it now and the model they're doing it with is clearly a response to MoviePass. The fact that it's, MoviePass is very popular, it has more than 3 million subscribers and growing, and AMC has been quite critical of it. It's a different business model still. MoviePass really focuses on a lot of the data that they're gathering on yeah. its users. So with AMC, it seems like since it's uh, exclusive to their theater chains, they're going to bank a little bit more on the concessions and, well, and, and all that repeat business. I should know both were important to AMC. Yes, they absolutely figure any money that they're going to lose from people. People use the service a lot. Obviously, they'll be paying less for tickets, but AMC will get the benefit of people buying more concessions, which is how, how movie theaters make most of their money anyway. But this AMC subscription program is connected to their, their loyalty program called AMC Stubs, where you know you get bonuses. You know If you see enough movies, you get earn a free ticket or earn free popcorn or whatever. And that program is, of course, all about getting consumer data and being able to market to people and so on. So the data is certainly important to AMC as well. And of course, you know, with MoviePass, uh, you can go you can go to any theater. AMC is thinking if you sign up for this program, maybe you'll make a point to go primarily to the AMC theater. If, if maybe there's another Regal that's just as close, but you use this program with AMC and you'll choose the AMC one as a result. 
Yeah, and MoviePass jumped in on Twitter and threw a little shade at AMC saying, mm-hmm. hey, thanks for charging twice the price for a quarter of the theater network and 60% fewer movies. So, I, I mean, in that vein, it's pretty smart. It's pretty funny. And they're right on that. But the industry is constantly changing. You have this book that you wrote, The Big Picture, The Fight for the Future of Movies. And in it, you talk a lot about how big uh, companies, Disney, Marvel, Netflix, Amazon, they're all changing the game. Marvel has replaced big name stars a lot with these whole universes. So now you're waiting years for the next big movie to come out. How is Hollywood changing? It's changing in so many ways. And certainly the the film business is becoming becoming primarily about these big franchise films. Something like about 40% of the box office this year has been generated by just the five or so biggest movies like Black Panther, Avengers, Incredibles, Quiet Place, Jumanji. These films are the main reason people go to theaters. And all of the, let's say, mid-budget films for adults, original films, comedies, dramas, thrillers, those are mostly dying. People are mostly getting that kind of entertainment on TV and streaming services like Netflix or HBO or so on. People only go to the theaters, for the most part, for these big events or sometimes horror films. So should we be expecting more trilogies and remakes? Absolutely. You should expect a lot of remakes, a lot of sequels, a lot of spinoffs. It wasn't that long ago when the number one movie in America was Rain Man or Forrest Gump. And I don't think we're ever going to see that happen again. Let's say for filmmakers, people that are really trying to make an impact, really get their art out there, where should they be focusing? Well, I should be specific. They're falling by the wayside in theaters. So the reason people go to theaters and they sign up for MoviePass or AMC or whatever is to see these big franchise movies. There's still lots of great content, including films that are going directly into the home, directly into streaming services, onto Netflix, onto Amazon, onto YouTube. I think the next generation of filmmakers, you're going to see them making their mark primarily on on a digital streaming services, whether it's film or TV or, or webisodes or whatever you call it. That's how they're going to come up rather than making their first feature film at Sundance and hoping it'll get bought and released in theaters. The whole media landscape is changing. We've see, we're seeing all these mega mergers happen. And a lot of times they're doing it just to compete with people like the likes of Netflix. The entire system is changing now. For sure. The entertainment business has been changed dramatically by uh, digital companies, especially Netflix and all the traditional media companies like Disney, which is trying to buy Fox right now, are really responding and scrambling to keep up. Ben Fritz, reporter for The Wall Street Journal, author of The Big Picture, The Fight for the Future of Movies. Thank you very much for joining us. It's been my pleasure. Their time has come and gone. I believe we should get rid of the plastic straws. Joining me now is my producer, Miranda. Thanks for joining us, Miranda. Hello, Oscar. Uh, The lowly plastic straw has become a focus of high controversy. There's a lot of efforts to get rid of them for environmental reasons. California state lawmakers are considering laws to require restaurants to provide straws only on request. Other cities, San Francisco, Oakland, Berkeley, New York, I think they're trying to phase them out completely. But the real problem now for a lot of restaurants and bartenders is not that they're phasing out the straws. It's what's going to replace them. And it's paper straws. What's the big problem with these paper straws? The problem with paper straws is that they suck, right? They dissolve in the water. They come apart. And one of these restaurants in New York City did the equivalent of a taste test. They placed like five different kinds of paper straws made by different manufacturers in cups of water and let them sit. And they found that one brand of paper straw reigns supreme. It's from a company called Aardvark out of Fort Wayne, Indiana. And the problem with this is that The secret about Aardvark is out. All the restaurant supply companies know, and they have more than a three-month backlog. 
because they've seen a 5,000% increase in their sales and demand over the past two years. Yeah, there's such a high demand for paper straws, specifically from this company, like you said, because they're the best ones, that they're running uh, behind. I think they said that there's a seven-week wait on a lot of their uh, particular straw brand or you know straw models it's such a crazy story and as you know we've talked about how i love stories about the restaurant industry and how things are always changing there was a viral video with a with a turtle had a straw stuck up his nose or he had been impaled by the straw something like that and then kind of was really seen as the thing that's setting this whole trend off we need to get rid of these single-use plastic straws and find something else to use That video was viewed more than 25 million times. I personally can't watch stuff like that. I get it. Plastic straws up a nose are bad. I can't see it. But they say that it's not just the straws because they make biodegradable plastic straws. But the problem is, is that most recycling plants can't distinguish them from the regular straws. So they all just get tossed. Yeah, there's only a specific biodegradable straw that has like a green stripe on it. And those are the only ones that they can identify easily. If not, everything gets tossed. So it doesn't even matter if something is biodegradable. It has to be easily identifiable. They point to other problems with these uh, paper straws. You know, it's a tough transition for a lot of people. Like you said, they get soggy. People like to play with them, so they kind of fall apart. Mm-hmm. They're just, they just don't hold up the way the plastic straws do. And then they have metal straws. I looked it up on Amazon because I am a plastic straw lover. I'm actually really stressed out about this whole story because I like plastic straws. Don't take them away from me. So I went on Amazon. How much do these metal straws cost? And actually, they're really affordable. They're about $14 for 12 straws in a pack. So as long as you feel like carrying this kind of stuff around and hand cleaning them, you'll be fine. One of the industries that really is going to be affected by this trend of getting rid of plastic straws is going to be specifically uh, the coffee companies, places like Starbucks, places like Joe Coffee in New York. They use billions of plastic straws. Starbucks goes through two billion plastic straws each year. So with that, with paper uh, paper straws comes a slightly increased cost. And when you're working in the billions, it's going to add up. They say it costs about half a penny for a traditional plastic straw, whereas if you were to purchase a paper straw it would cost four cents. So that is a gigantic markup. I'm with you. I really don't like the paper straws. They are kind of annoying. They get soggy and I I just do not like them. But I do feel for the environmental side, plastic is a huge problem in the country and we're just tossing stuff all over the place. So it's going to be a trend that's not going to go away. Uh, Expect for more straws to be outlawed in a city near you coming pretty soon. You consider yourself a foodie and the paper straws do really impact the taste and mouthfeel of your drinks, your cocktails, whatever you're trying to consume. Metal straws may seem to be the only competition for these plastic straws. But people sometimes don't like the taste of that metal also. So it's going to it's another these are another story where the conversation will keep going. Uh, All right, Miranda, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Oscar. All right, that's it for this week. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. We love the feedback, so don't forget to leave us a comment and give us a rating. Follow The Daily Dive on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Daily Dive is produced by Miranda Moreno and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this was your Daily Dive.